Exactly six years ago, yesterday morning at 5.35 a.m., I gave birth to my firstborn child, Ava Kate. Yes, it was quite the morning. Um, and so yesterday morning when she woke up and she came to my room and she was smiling before she even like said a word and I was like, happy birthday, Ava. She's like this huge smile, this cute, cute dimple. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. I was like, how does it feel to be six? She's like, I think I feel a little bit taller. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you do? I just, I love, I love the six-year-old brain. She, she feels taller because she's older now, which clearly makes sense. So um, I do this thing with my girls where anytime it's like close to their birthday, or we talk about them getting older. I do this thing and it annoys them and it is hilarious. One day when you guys are parents, you have to do this because, you know, you have to as a parent. I, I just annoy them and I'm like, I get this like fake cry and I'm like, <laughs> and they're just like, mom, stop, that's awful. Like my four and six year old get totally embarrassed by like me fake crying. They like hate it and it's, you know, I have to because it's funny. So anyways, around their birthday, always get super nostalgic and I like think like, oh, at this time, six years ago, this was happening. And um, so I, you know, recently since, you know, Ava turned six yesterday, I was reliving my labor and delivery and all of those things that comes with having a child and um, so I was thinking about when I was having contractions and how nervous and stressed that my husband and I were, having no idea what was coming and also having so many ideas of what was coming. And so um, the night I was in labor with Ava, of course, you know, my husband's first response is to work out because, you know, what else do you do when your wife is in labor? He's going to go like lift some weights because that's what he did when he was nervous. So my husband's in the bedroom just like lifting his weights and whatever. And I'm like, well, after I have a baby, I want to come home to a clean house. So I'm just like vacuuming in between contractions. I'm like, turn the vacuum off, have a contraction. <sighs> Breathe through it. Okay, let's vacuum some more. Like this is what's going on at my house um, <laughs> during my labor with my firstborn. You know, no angel appeared to me and said, yo, girl, you're going to carry the Messiah. Um, you know, it didn't really look like that. I just, you know, had to get in the car and drive to St. Mary's. I didn't have to ride on a donkey for like 70 miles and have my child in a stable. It looked a little bit different for me. But I'm just going to get real with y'all for a second. Pregnancy and labor and delivery ain't no joke, okay? It ain't for like no faint of heart. This is like some intense things that... Um, women go through, okay? And um, even though I loved it, I thought it was amazing, and a lot of people think I'm crazy, it was still the hardest thing I have ever done, and I have run a marathon, and actually that was like part of me like getting through my marathon was like, I pushed out two babies, I can run a marathon, okay? So it's like my like, I can do anything is like I push out babies, okay? But tonight's not about me or my labors and deliveries, but it is about God's story, and it's about the humility and willingness and obedience of a teenager. A teenager that God used a teenager to bring glory, literal glory to earth, okay? Psalm 3.3 says, God is the glory and the lifter of our heads. That through a humble teenager, he brought the redeemer of the world. And through a willing teenager, he brought the prince of peace. And through an obedient teenager, he brought Emmanuel, God with us. So tonight, I want to look at a very sweet, innocent 
young lady named Mary. And guys, don't tune me out here just because she's a girl, okay? You know, just because you don't have a uterus, this, this thing wouldn't happen to any of us in the room, okay? Uterus or no uterus. Um, this was kind of like a one-time deal where like the Holy Spirit would come upon her and conceive a child, okay? So, so don't turn me out here. There ain't nobody having a baby without, you know, the normal way here. So, okay, so um, Mary's world is about to be turned upside down and inside out, and so I want to break this text down a little bit, and I really want us to pay attention to Mary's posture and her response to, to all of what's about to happen, okay? So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, okay? He was just an angel that, you know, brought important messages from God because angels are for real, okay? To Nazareth, a village in Galilee. And one commentary I was reading as I was like studying this passage um, described Nazareth as a remote corner of the country and had no reputation for religion or learning. So I kind of picture it, you know, like Loma, Colorado or something, like nothing to speak of there in Nazareth, okay? so. Um, to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And we all know she's a virgin, right? We're all, that's up here, okay? She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Okay, so let's just like, let's all put ourselves in Mary's position for one second, okay? Mary's in love with Joseph, okay? But they are not getting on yet. They're staying pure. I'm not gonna preach that whole message because we just spent an entire month talking about purity. So go listen to our podcast if you missed any of the last month of us talking about purity. Um, but you get the drift. That, that purity matters to God so much so that he sought out a virgin for this particular task. And I'm not saying if you've made mistakes, God can't use you, but I am saying that purity matters to God. So Gabriel appeared to her and he said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I'm sorry, this is just funny to me. This is, you know, okay, interesting. So, so favored woman, I looked up what this means because I'm like, what would you be thinking if first of all, an angel appeared to you and then second of all, if, if he said this weird thing to you. So a favored woman means to pursue with grace, to be found with favor, to honor with blessings. And so this greeting was intended to raise Mary in this value for herself and an expectation of great news, not from something that was afar, but something that was from above, this great expectation in her. And then to say that you have the presence of God with you. I don't know, I think that's pretty cool, okay? But um, Mary's a little bit confused. So verse 29, she says, it says, confused, and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean, right? Valid. I, I think I would be wondering and confused and disturbed as well if, if like, uh, you know, an angel appeared to me at all in the first place and then secondly started talking to me and, and greeted me in this way. I think I would also be confused and disturbed. So tonight we're going to look at three characteristics that we need to have so that we can be used by God just like Mary was used by God. So the first characteristic I want to look at in Mary is how she was humble. Okay, she was a little confused, but she wasn't prideful. She was humble. And her posture is just trying to think, what could this possibly mean? Like she, she's confused. What, what, what could this angel possibly be saying, okay? And so had she been proud, um, an ambitious young woman that aimed high and flattered herself with the expectation of like great things in the world for herself, 
she probably would have been pumped up that like an angel appeared to her and like maybe puffed up and a little bit prideful. Like, yeah, I deserve, you know, this honor of carrying, you know, Jesus. But instead, Mary's confounded and like bewildered and like dumbfounded at the thought of like this angel coming to her. And she's not thinking of herself as deserving at such a call. And she just has this attitude that I think is so sweet. And I think that the Lord can use in all of us of who am I? Like, who am I that, that you would send an angel to speak to me and, and bring me this kind of news? Who am I? And I think so often we can misunderstand what humility is. So often I think we can think humility is thinking like mean thoughts about ourselves, or we're putting ourselves down, but that's absolutely not true. Humility is a recognition that all we have and all we are truly comes from God. It's not about us. A humble person focuses more on others than focuses on themselves. And I think it takes a great deal of humility to think of the greater good of humanity that was probably running through Mary's mind in the midst of everything that's happening. And I believe that God can use humility to do great things. So moving on, verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I can't not be just like shocked every time I read this. Like, what if someone was telling me this? Okay, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. No pressure, right? Okay. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, I just like have to read this um, part in the message version for you guys because I was seriously laughing out loud. Okay, it says, she was thoroughly shaken, duh, wondering what was behind this greeting that the angel, but the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Yeah, you think God, God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. Like, can you imagine? Like, I think of surprise and I think, surprise, happy birthday. Or like, surprise, I brought you a Starbucks drink. Or like, surprise, I put on my shoes without whining. Right, my four-year-old. Okay, like that's, that's surprise, not like, Surprise, you get to carry the Messiah. Like, whoa, <laughs> okay, that is quite the shock and surprise. And, um, you know, I, I can kind of relate, except not at all, but a little bit, because um, my second child, my sweet, sweet surprise second child, um, came a little bit quicker than we had planned or expected at all. And so, um, so, <laughs> anyways, okay, so I was at work. Um, it was a Tuesday. It was actually, I remember, I like so specifically remember this day of surprise in my life. It was December 17th. It was exactly one week after my one-year-old turned one. And um, it was our very last night in the old 4640 in Vertigo. It was our very last night we were ever gonna do a high school service over there. And it was getting close to service time when I had this, um, small aha moment of something isn't, uh-oh, okay. Um, so I, I'm like, okay, I have, I have to go get a pregnancy test. So the, 
Okay, surely I'm not, but like for my peace of mind, I need to go grab a pregnancy test so I can like focus on like our last night of service. It's a big night. And so um, li literally during work hours, I ran to Target as quickly as I could. I bought a pregnancy test. I, I came over to these bathrooms and I was like, okay. So I took the test. I'm like, it's fine, Sarah. You're not pregnant. It's no big deal. Like no, no big deal. So I waited for the longest three minutes of my entire life. Um, to see that the stick said positive. And y'all, um, I'm still like, uh, the amount of like um, panic and like sheer shock that came over me is hard to describe. So I go to my office and I'm not kidding, I just like get on the floor and I just lay completely flat with my head on the ground and I'm just like, breathe, Sarah, breathe. It's okay, you're gonna be fine. <sighs> breathe, it's okay. Like I was completely like prostrate on my office floor telling myself to breathe and don't, you know, completely panic because it's okay, it's okay. It's just a little bit sooner than we had, you know, thought or planned. And, um, you know, for me, I wasn't an unwed teenager, so I can't imagine the things that Mary was feeling like it was totally appropriate for me to have a second child. And, uh, you know, I was established and married and, and all of the things. It was, you know, a normal part of my life. But this teenage girl seems a little bit more mature in her response than I did as a married 27-year-old finding out I was pregnant with my second, okay? So I'm just like, wow, Mary's amazing. <laughs> Whew. It's okay, she's four and a half now, it's fine. Whoa, okay, so um, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. <laughs> Again, valid question, Mary. Um, you know, and, and like as shocking as it was for me to find out I was pregnant in the stage of life I was, like can you just imagine, like please just try to like put yourself in her shoes. Can you imagine what it would be like, one, for an angel to come to you, two, for it to speak to you, three, for it to tell you like the insane news that you're gonna be carrying the Messiah of the entire world. Like what, what could she possibly have been thinking? Like, um, you know, and her response is, Okay, so like how? Like whose response is that? Like, I feel like I would be like, um, I think you got me, Mary, confused with Maria. Like I, I think you, you must be really confused with who you're talking to. Like I know you're God and you know everything, but like I think, am I on punked? Like is this, is this a joke? I don't get it, I don't get the joke. Like I, I, I would be asking when and where and what and how and like what would it feel like and am I, am I gonna, like I would be asking one million questions and she just says like, how? And this question isn't like a language of like doubt or distrust um, of the, what the angel was saying, but just like a desire to be further instructed. Just like, okay, okay. So how, how will this happen? Okay. <laughs> Wow, Mary, you are amazing. So, okay, continuing on, verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. We can talk about John another day, but that's in there for now. So verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. And this verse is just amazing. Like he, he's talking about like, 
this conception through a virgin, through the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible with God. And I just wonder like how many of us would live a little bit differently if we actually believed that? If like we truly like in the depth and the core of who we are actually believed that nothing is impossible with God, like like his purposes and his plans for us, like would we live differently if we actually believe he had those? And I just wonder tonight, like what what does God wanna do through through some of our lives? And, and I wonder like, like what, what plans does he have for, for each one of us if we would truly believe that nothing is impossible? And I wonder what kind of glory God wants to bring to earth through us if we would be willing to believe that nothing is impossible with God? So Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Whoa, that's quite an encounter, right? Mary says yes and amen to carrying Jesus in her belly. And all she asks for is a little bit more instruction of how this is gonna happen. Okay, y'all, Mary was so humble and, and she just responded with, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you say about me come true. And she's saying so much with this one little statement, like, like she's showing so much of her character and it completely shows why God picked her. It completely shows why, why he picked this one teenager um, in all of the earth to entirely and completely shift the course of humanity. And so not only is her like humility completely shining through in this moment, but also this incredible willingness to say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. So the second characteristic that we um, have to have if we wanna be used by God is we have to be willing. Man, God can work so much just simply through our willingness. And I think a lot of people think, oh sure, like I'm willing to be used by God. And then they kind of start to weigh it and they're like, oh, that actually kind of sounds hard, maybe not. And, and so tonight I just kind of want us to ask ourselves, like what are we willing to do to serve one another? And like, what, what are we willing to do to, to serve the Lord? And, and what are we willing to do to put God and his kingdom first above our kingdom and our self? Mary says, may it be as you say. She said, yes, Lord. And I'm so glad she did. Like, aren't you so glad that Mary said yes? Well, aren't you so glad that Mary was willing to like carry your savior and your redeemer and your forgiver and the one who gives us grace and the one who gives us eternal life with him? Aren't you glad someone was willing to do that for us? Mary said, I'll give up everything to carry Jesus. Matthew 22, 14 says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And I just think this means that, that God's saying that many of us are called. He's asking many of us to, to answer this call and to be used by him in a super powerful way, but few are chosen because few are actually willing. Few are actually willing to respond to the call. There aren't many that, that are that humble and like Mary and, and willing to say, yeah, God, I'm, I'll serve you with, with all I got. So the third characteristic of Mary, first she was humble, then she was willing, and then she was obedient. And she wasn't just like obedient in the moment. Mary was obedient 
to the end. Mary was obedient to completion. Her obedience wasn't just a one-time deal. It was yes for a lifetime. Like, y'all, a kid isn't like a one-time, that was fun. A kid is like forever. A kid is never not your kid. And so obedience takes follow-through. It's an ongoing action to be faithful to that call, to what God is asking of us. And something I say in my house a lot is, listen and obey right away, all the way. Right? Because obedience isn't just like pick up your jacket and put it, you know, in the hallway. It's like actually pick up your jacket and hang it in your closet. Like that's full obedience, not like halfway obedience, like scoot it down the hallway or throw it on your floor in your bedroom. That's not full obedience. Like obedience takes completion. It takes follow through. And so obedience to Jesus is is forever. It isn't a pick and choose. It's a, it's a lifestyle of surrender saying, yeah, I'm going to trust your ways are higher than mine. I'm going to trust your ways are better than mine. And so it's this lifestyle that we come into um, with, with this obedience. And it's so important to God that he goes as far to say in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. He's saying, we, we can show God love by obeying him. And it shows like this heart posture towards our creator that we're willing to love him through our obedience. It's so important to me. And, and you know, God never said that, that the cost would be light or easy or not a lot. It costs Mary everything. It cost Mary her, her, the rest of her wedding planning, her friends, her family, her future. Like, are we, are we willing to be obedient at the cost of our future? But because of her, we get to celebrate one of the greatest holidays in all of history, Jesus' birth. We get to celebrate Christmas in a couple weeks because someone was humble and willing and obedient. We, we get to like have these incredible memories and we get to like celebrate Jesus coming to earth because Mary said yes. Mary said yes. And so I just wonder what could God do through and with us if we were to be obedient to what he's asking of us? And and isn't he worth our obedience? Isn't God like, and all that he did for us, his sacrifice, his coming to earth, his leaving the throne to come to earth to show us how to live and, and to sacrifice that so we could spend eternity with him. Isn't he worth giving our obedience to? So, so maybe for some of us, that's like, like obedience is befriending that person that's really lonely at school and like sacrificing some of our time to like talk to that person. Or, or maybe obedience for you means breaking up with that boyfriend or that girlfriend or that friend that's totally bringing you down. Or maybe obedience actually means trying in school for you because you're actually really smart and God wants to do something amazing with that brain that he gave you. Like maybe obedience looks different for each one of us. But if we were to be obedient, what could God do in and through us? We only get one life to live. And I know for me, I want to live it for Jesus. I know I want to be humble and willing and obedient so that I can bring glory to God. So that maybe through me, like I could change something that that isn't going well. Maybe through me, God could like actually like move and, and do something but it takes humility and willingness and obedience for God to use us. God used Mary's obedience to change the course of history, and I absolutely believe that he will use our obedience to do the same.
Y'all, this isn't just a fairy tale. The Christmas story isn't just some fable, it's actual history. It's something that actually happened. It's like the foundation of our faith as Christians. Like, like the Christmas story is, it's for real. And it's unfolding in the middle of this like place in the middle of nowhere. Like Nazareth is like nothing. And God doesn't need much. He's not asking for much. He doesn't need like some rich or like powerful or popular, or like educated or, super smarter, he doesn't need male or female, like none of those things matter to God. What matters to God is that we're humble and that we're willing and that we're obedient to what he's asking of us so that we can actually be used by him. And he's worth it. He's worth it every single time. He, he's worth that obedience. He's worth giving our lives fully to. So if you wanna be used by God, and I think he wants to use every single one of you, but you have to be humble and you have to be willing and you have to be obedient. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for Mary and we thank you for the incredible life that she led for us, the incredible example that she gave us of, of what it looks like to be used by you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just begin to stir that in our hearts, that you would begin to stir in our hearts um, a willingness and a humility and an obedience, God, because we want to be used by you, God. We want to be your vessel. We want to we want to like make a difference. We we want to we want to change people for your good. We want to bring people to you. We want salvation to come to people because we were willing and we were obedient and we were humble in the way that we held ourselves in our character, Jesus. And so I pray that you would begin to sharpen those things in us so that you could use us to, to the fullness of all of the things that you want us to do, Jesus. And so I pray that you would bless every single student in this room with those characteristics that they would begin sharpening those in themselves. And so I pray that you would just bless them in an incredible way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.